Friday, May the 13th, 2022. Ooh, Friday the 13th, spooky time. It's uh, it's not Halloween, but Friday the 13th are always a lot of fun. We've got a little bit of everything on this episode for you. We're going to dive into the NFL schedule just kind of quickly, take a look at week one and maybe uh, a, a tidbit or two for each team. We'll have much more of a deep dive as we get closer to the year. It will, uh, we'll have Eric on and we'll go through everyone's over-unders and uh, we'll really kind of talk about um, some of our best bets. But for uh, for now, we'll take a dive in and, and look at the NFL schedule that was released earlier this week. We'll check in with baseball, see what's going on uh, around the league, take a look at a couple power rankings uh, and, uh, and where teams stack up. We'll talk some NBA with Eric. We'll preview everything happening in the two Game 6s on Friday night, then Game 7 and possibly uh, more Game 7s coming up this weekend. Also, a lot of talk about Miami and Philly. What should Philly do? A lot of... Uh, Embiid, how good is he, and uh, can you really build around him and win? Then we get into horse racing. Sunday, Santa Anita. Sunday, Louisiana Downs. Monday, Louisiana Downs. So we get you full card LAD for Sunday, for Monday. Best bets for Santa Anita for Sunday. So you're going to get some NFL, some MLB, some NBA, and then horse racing for Saturday, for or for horse racing for Sunday, Monday, for multiple tracks here on that's what G said podcast that is presented by better than dot Vegas at BTV bets. Go give them a follow on Twitter and flip those notifications on right now. Every day there's an NBA game. There's a preview of those games Monday through Friday, baseball, quick hitter shows talking about uh, best bets for the, the baseball slate that day, Mondays and Thursdays, harness racing previews for Woodbine Mohawk in the early pick five. There's comedy shows with the lineup. We have uh, weekly jockey interviews on Riders Up that's in uh, in accordance with Fantac. The the uh, backdoor cover Saturday night, Sunday night, which is another one of the more comedy shows. Uh, USFL show with Eric and uh, Jim. NASCAR show coming up. UFC shows. Everything, everything covered. It's all free. All of those preview shows, all the live streams, they're all free. They just want to help you become a better better. Everything's free over at BTV. Give them a follow at BTV Bets. Let's talk a little NFL schedule. So uh, it's always fun when we know the uh, the schedule is announced and we can really look into the first couple weeks. I, I have a good time taking a, a look and, and then starting to see which games are we going to attack how are we going to play this kickoff game buffalo bills versus the rams rams host the bills at uh 8:20 eastern time thursday night september the 8th at sofi that's the kickoff game on nbc and we will uh we'll start the nfl season with a a game that could end up being the super bowl bills are favored by many you got the rams coming off the win last year let's dive into week one you have uh the week two Monday night doubleheader where the Bills and Eagles open up their home schedules. Remember, there's a lot of prime video this uh, this year. That's going to be week two also. But let's talk about some of the week one games. we got Bills at Rams, Josh Allen, Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, who was on the Rams last year, heads on over and plays for the Bills now. you got the Saints at the Falcons where Dennis Allen, New head coach for the Saints. You've got Atlanta likely starting Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston probably starting for the Saints. So that'll be a matchup of the one-two overall picks from back in 2015. Cleveland at Carolina. Who's playing quarterback for these two teams? That's going to be a, an interesting one. 
We'll see everything surrounding Watson. Baker Mayfield, is he going to end up somewhere else? And on the Carolina side, you know, they drafted a quarterback later. Is it going to be Sam Darnold starting again or, or some other veteran? That'll be an interesting week one matchup. Who, What's the quarterback room going to look like? These two teams were linked about trades all through the offseason. You've got the 49ers at the Bears in week one. So Trey Lance, Justin Fields, likely your starting quarterbacks there. Pittsburgh at Cincy. So for Pittsburgh, no more Big Ben. And for the the first time since 2010, no Big Ben. Joe Burrow and the Bengals open up at home against the division rival. You've got Philly at Detroit. So the Eagles at the Lions. This will be one of the top picks, Aiden Hutchinson, for the Lions making his debut. See if Philly can build off of their uh, pretty solid season last year. You've got Colts at Texans in Week 1 opening up. Lovey Smith, new head of the the head coach of the Texans, Davis Mills, the QB over there in Houston, and you've got Matt Ryan, the new quarterback for the Colts. There, a little divisional game in Week One. Patriots, Dolphins, they open up Week One division game there. So, new head coach Mike McDaniel against Bill Belichick. That'll be uh, talk about a, a little experience mismatch there. We'll see if Mike McDaniel can get the win right off the bat against maybe the best coach of all time. Tyreek Hill, Armstead, Edmonds now with Miami. They're going to have a a brand new look to them. Ravens at the Jets. The Jets are going to have a new youthful look. Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall, and uh, a lot of youth. We'll see how uh, they can perform against the Ravens with Lamar coming off of injuries from last year. You got the Jags at the Washington Commanders. For Washington, you'll have Carson Wentz making his debut, and you'll have Doug Peterson as the new head coach over for Jacksonville. KC at Arizona. We've been hearing weird stuff about Kyler Murray all throughout the offseason. Um, not going to be easy for them to start against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in Week 1. Raiders-Chargers, that was a cool matchup where it was basically a play-in game for the playoffs last year. They had that really, really fun back and forth, and they'll open up in Week 1. Packers at Vikings, a divisional game there. New head coach Kevin O'Connell has to deal with Aaron Rodgers in Week 1, his first game as a head coach. Another another uh, game that we a little, little interesting, the Giants at the Titans. So... You're going to have the one seed from last year and Ryan Tannehill were people a little disappointed in his play. And the Giants were one of the most disappointing teams in the league last year. Hopefully uh, things will be different for them with uh, some new energy. Tampa, Dallas week one. This is going to be the Sunday night game. Bucks at Cowboys with Tom Brady coming back. And then you've got Monday night football. Denver at Seattle. So Russell Wilson in week one heading right back to Seattle right away. They don't uh they don't make you wait long to see that one. So let's take a, a quick look at the early win totals. I'm not gonna dive into the one the any ones that I'm playing or any schedules throughout. I'm just kind of curious to to look through each team and what their early win totals were posted. Arizona Cardinals, nine and a half. You've got Atlanta Falcons, four and a half over under. The Ravens is nine and a half. The Bills, 11 and a half. 
Carolina, five and a half. The Bears, six and a half. The Bengals, nine and a half. The Cowboys, ten and a half. Broncos, ten and a half. Lions, six and a half. Packers, ten and a half. Texans, three and a half. Colts, nine and a half. Jags, six and a half. The Kansas City Chiefs, their over-under for win totals this year is ten and a half. So that's this is where the the books have them posted. Are they gonna go over or under that win total? Raiders is eight. Chargers is ten. Rams is at ten and a half, one of the higher. Miami Dolphins is at eight and a half. <clears throat> the Vikings are at eight and a half. Pats at eight and a half. The Saints win total is eight and a half this year also. Now again, these are juiced one way or the other. Sometimes they're leaning more heavily, but this is what the number is. The Giants is at seven and a half. Jets five and a half. Eagles at eight and a half. The Steelers over under seven and a half with no big Ben. It's Trey Lance starting for the 49ers. Over under for them is nine and a half this year. Seahawks without Russ, five and a half. The Bucks with Brady back, 11 and a half. You've got the Titans at nine and a half. And Washington at eight and a half. That is your NFL look at the schedule and the quick early look at some of the win totals that have been posted. And we'll start to dive more and more into NFL as we get closer and closer to the NFL season. So lots of NFL. Like always, we will be previewing every single NFL game of the year right here on That's What G Said podcast with Eric and uh, probably a lot of other guests throughout the year. Let's move from football on over to baseball. A little check-in with uh, with baseball right now. In the National League, you got the Mets up top the NL East right now with a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice margin. Uh, they're six and a half games above the Braves. They're twenty-two and eleven, and the Braves are fifteen and seventeen. Every other team in the NL East is under five hundred, and pretty disappointing. The Braves and Phillies, in particular, the Braves have a negative run differential so far. Phillies beat the Dodgers on Thursday night, so maybe that'll give them a little jump start and a little bit of a boost. In the Central, the Brewers are twenty and twelve. They're a couple games up on the Cardinals. Uh, Pittsburgh behind them, the Cubs and the Reds have been basically the laughing stock in baseball. They're eight and twenty-four. They have a minus sixty-eight run differential in thirty-two games. Although they have won two in a row and they've won uh, five of their last ten, but they were just awful for a while, just miserable. The NL West has been really good so far. Every team is un- is over five hundred. The Dodgers are twenty-nine, uh, twenty-ten now, I guess after the. The, uh, the loss to Philly. And uh, the Padres, Giants, Diamondbacks, and Rockies all with winning records through 30-plus games. So the NL West looks very good. All of the uh, the top three teams, the Dodgers have a plus 78 run differential. And uh, Giants continue to play good ball. And it's been Manny Machado kind of carrying the Padres without Tatis. They've played really well so far. The American League East you got the Yankees up top. They've been one of the best teams, if not the best team in baseball. The Rays, Blue Jays, been fine. Baltimore and Boston's been perhaps the most disappointing team. They've only scored 107 runs in their 21 games so far. They are one of the worst offenses in the league, which is not what you'd expect from Boston. In the Central, it's the Twins, the Guardians, and the White Sox, who are floating around 500. 
the Tigers have been just awful. I thought they were going to be a lot better than this this year. I thought they'd have an opportunity to vie for, uh, you know, battle for 500-plus in a weak division, and they have just been awful. Out West, it's the Astros in a 10-game winning streak up to take the lead in the AL West. The Angels have played very good, though, to start. They are 21-12. Mariners struggled. They've lost 8 of their last 10. And the Rangers and A's weren't really expected to be great this year. Looking at uh, some of the uh, the team's key statistics this year, the Dodgers are up top a lot of the, the major pitching stats. They have the lowest whip, walks, plus hits per innings pitched in the league. They have the lowest team ERA, a 2.25 ERA and a .9 whip. They're the only team in the league with a whip under uh, one. They so for the towards the top of the ERA, Dodgers, Yankees, Houston, Minnesota, White Sox, Mets, Angels, Giants, Cardinals, Miami are your top ten teams for ERA for uh, WHIP, which is basically base runners. Dodgers, Houston, Mets, Angels, Yankees, Minnesota, Rays, Padres, Cleveland, Detroit, allowing the least amount of ra- uh, base runners. So maybe Detroit is a team that their pitching can continue to improve a little bit because that's one, and maybe they can win some more games uh, um, leaning on that. As far as just runs scored per game, it's the Dodgers, the Giants, the Angels, Milwaukee, and Cleveland towards the top. And when you look at the bottom, Boston, 3.45 runs per game. You would think Boston would be right up towards the top. The Yankees are 6th, Philly 7th, Mets 8th, St. Louis 9th, Colorado 10th in runs per game. Let's take a look at uh, what the ESPN power rankings were just a few days ago. We can talk a a little bit about each team and just one or two important things about them. So they had the Dodgers ranked towards the top, and and things have been really going well for the Dodgers. I mean, they've been winning even without a lot of their key players having good starts to the year. Muncy struggled, Turner struggled, Mookie's finally been playing a little bit better. Blake Trinan got hurt, and I think that's something that's going to that's gonna impact them because Trinan is a major, major weapon for them all over in the in the bullpen. He's their best bullpen piece, even though he wasn't their closer. So that, that could hurt them. They've had a little bit of a lull. Didn't play well against Pittsburgh, and then a uh, really disappointing game against Philly on Thursday night. The Yankees are two. Nestor Cortez has been great. Their bullpen's been really, really good. And... They just look like one of the best teams in baseball. The Mets, they were down 7-1 to in the top of the ninth. They scored 7 runs and won 8-7 last week. Baseball teams had lost 857 consecutive games when trailing by 6 or more in the ninth inning. It was the first time the Mets rallied to win when down 6 in the ninth since September 13, 1997 against the Expos. Max Scherzer was, had a stretch of games throughout the last year, 24 regular season starts. He went 15-0 with a 2.55 ERA and didn't lose. <laughs> Incredible. They're doing this without the Grom, too. Brewers were the fourth-ranked team by ESPN Power Rankings. And even without their pitching looking as dominant as you would expect, Woodruff hasn't been all that great. It's been uh, Rowdy Tellez who's helped them out a bit as a bat that they weren't quite expecting to get the production they're getting from. For the Angels, they were ranked in the top five right next to their uh, division rival, the Astros. They were five and six. On the Angels' side, Reed Detmers had that no-hitter first-round draft pick. 
He's been pitching very well. Sandoval's been pitching very well. Cindergaard's been really, really good. Offense leads the majors in home runs. The bullpen is solid. You know you got Trout and Otani as big hitters in the middle of that lineup. All of a sudden, this Angels team looks pretty solid from top to bottom. The Astros, 10 in a row. And during the first eight games of that stretch, they allowed eight runs and had a .88 ERA. Everybody pitching really, really well for them. And the shortstop, Jeremy Pena, was... uh, was someone who's been very surprising and better than they thought defensively. He's towards the top defensive runs scored. A lot of these tidbits are uh, just kind of reading through some of the ESPN power ranking stuff. The Padres were 7 without Tatis. Machado hitting 383, and he's number 1 in wins above, uh, wins above replacement based on fan graphs through 5 weeks. Awesome on defense too. Hosmer has been really good. So they've been... Staying afloat, staying alive until Tatis returns. The Giants are trying to prove that last year was no fluke. They're 19, or what did we say they were just a minute ago? They're they're just a few games behind the Dodgers in what's been a really, really tough NL West. And the Giants are now going to be leaning a lot on Carlos Rodon, who's been fantastic since coming over here. Rodon... 1.8 1.8 ERA through six starts, striking out 56 batter, 53 batters in 35 innings. Giants are just a game and a half behind the Dodgers right now at 19 and 12. Dodgers at 20 and 10. So, uh, looking to uh, have a, a fun battle this year again in the NL West. The Blue Jays were rounding out the top 10 with Tampa, so two AL East teams in the top 10 for the uh, the ESPN Power Rankings. Blue Jays lost five of seven. They've just been kind of back and forth. They haven't been bad. And their pitching is going to be leaning on Alex Manoa. They've had some issues with some of their starting pitching. Struggles for Bichette, Chapman, Gurdiel, Kirk. So they, they're they so deep that they're going to be around, but haven't been quite as dominant as people would have expected. And the Rays, they they just don't seem quite deep enough. Manuel Margot, Wander Franco... Their pitching hasn't been quite as good. They got no hit. That feels sort of about where they should be, 19-13 and 13 at, uh, at around number 10. The Twins right behind them at 11 with uh, Buxton, Correa, and, you know, they all got hurt kind of at the same time. Buxton, Correa, Paddock. They're pretty talented, and they're in a really weak division, and they have a good stretch coming up that uh, uh, Doolittle was pointing out. Oakland, Detroit, Kansas City, 18 straight games. Maybe they could feast on them and really, really put themselves into contention in the division. 12 is the Cardinals. Just up and down, inconsistent. Three straight wins where they dominated, and then three losses where they got outscored by nine. Just back and forth, back and forth. I don't think they'll be bad, but they'll probably be floating right around here as a team battling for a playoff spot. The Braves have been really disappointing, even though Ronald Acuna Jr. is back early. He's been running really well, stealing bases. Overall, they seem like they're just missing a little bit of something. You get that World Series hangover too sometimes. It's just not easy when the games aren't quite as uh, uh, important as they were last year. And you're missing your heart and soul of Freddie Freeman. So I, th- I feel like they'll be okay in a bit. But there were a lot of changes for them this year for the team that won the World Series last year. White Sox have been very disappointing. They've had some injuries though. 
they uh, they went six and one in a seven game spurt, and now they're fifteen and fifteen, and then they went one and ten, and then they won six in a row, five on the road. So uh, they're getting healthier. Moncada's back. Eloy Jimenez, t- Tim Anderson. The suspension was reduced, and Lance Lynn should be back n- next month. So what's nice is they're in a really weak division, also, and uh, they're only two games behind Minnesota. Philly at 16 is another one that people thought were going to be much better this year. Defensively, they're awful, and their bullpen is just really bad. 23rd in the majors as of earlier this week with an ERA over 4. Defense ranks 25th in defensive runs saved. Castellanos and Schorber, not good defensively. Seattle, right behind them, had lost 11-14 of at one point. They got swept in Houston. They were shut out multiple times. Keep an eye on George Kirby, though. Had a good start. One of their other uh, arms, Matt Brash, was a little disappointing. Colorado behind them, the Rockies uh, were ranked 18th. They played really well early on, but then had a bad stretch where they lost back-to-back series to uh, the Giants and the D-backs, losing 5 of 6, only scoring 13 in those games. Bullpen has been really, really bad. The D-backs are over 500. Their pitching is awesome. Merrill Kelly... 170 ERA, Bumgarner 1878, Zach Gallen less than one. They've been fantastic. The Marlins ERA is, you know, very good. Their pitching's great, even though a couple of their pitchers haven't been as good as you would have expected. They are 11th in the ER in ERA in bullpen ERA, and they just had a bad stretch where they went from 12 and 8 to 14 and 17. They lost five in a row against Arizona, and they went 0 and 7 in one run games in a in a really short stretch. They need a little help offensively. Their power spots are a little weak. I mean, Boston, Boston's lucky to only be 21 in the ESPN power rankings. They could be dead last. Trevor Story's struggling. Inconsistency from Verdugo, Kiki, Dalbeck, Vasquez, Jackie Broadley Jr. Not enough pitching. The Rangers last week had a good series against the Phillies and then played pretty well against the Yankees. They're playing a little bit better. Starting to pitch a little bit better. Dunning, Perez, Otto, and John Gray. Capable rotation there. A's are not a very good baseball team there. at ranked number 23 in the ESPN Power Rankings. They had a nine-game losing streak. Loriano's coming back. That should help them. Sheldon Noisy and uh, Jimenez have been a couple positives early on. That was from uh, Lee over at ESPN. Cubbies were 24th when these power rankings came out a couple days ago. They just don't have a whole ton. Hendricks is pitching well. They lost five in a row by a score of 27-7. These teams towards the bottom are just really bad baseball teams right now. The, the Washington Nationals are awful. Yadiel Hernandez is a Cuban outfielder who's um, hitting around 350 right now. And... You know, one of a few, Soto's awesome, one of a few positive things to talk about there. The Pirates played really well against the Dodgers earlier in the week. Maybe that could spark them up. They were ranked 27, uh, 26. The Orioles, at least the Orioles have been a little feistier than you would have expected. They're 14 and 18 to start. They're actually better than, than the Red Sox. And there are a couple positives for them. Rushman's coming. Mullins is starting to hit better. And Zimmerman, Detroit is the team that I thought I think I'm the most disappointed in. I I just expected them to be a little bit better, 
and it just does not look like it at all. Their pitching's been decent. They have 11 hitters with at least 50 plate appearances, and only one of them has an OPS of 700. Five of them have an OPS under 600. So they can just not score, hit, produce at all. The Royals are actually towards the bottom and uh, right below Detroit, and then the Reds were dead last. So those are your ESPN power rankings for uh, baseball early on in the season. Got to talk a little NFL, got to talk a little baseball. Now we're going to talk a little NBA with Eric. Let's get into the NBA playoffs. We'll talk about all four series and where teams stack up right now as uh, we head into Friday's games. Eric helps us out with NBA talk on That's What G Said. NBA! Who's hot? Who's not? Who's hot? Who's hot? One game seven to come, one series done, and then two more game sixes with teams trying to fight for their seasons to stay alive. We're going to talk some NBA right now with Eric. So uh, we recorded this a little bit later than normal. Eric, thanks for being a little flexible. It just made a lot of sense, right? We're down to four series. We normally record on Thursday night, and during the regular season when there's a bunch of games going, we're going to miss a game or two. You know, we're talking mainly about overall teams and how how things are going and looking ahead during these games it's nice to be able to sort of talk about everything that happened and yesterday we saw one series end, one go to a game seven we'll talk about those in a second let's sort of preview what we have coming up you and i always have individual game previews over at better than vegas at btv bets where we go through each game monday through friday at uh, six o'clock p.m eastern time and then saturday sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Two games today, Eric. Boston, Milwaukee, as we record this on Friday morning, and Memphis and Golden State. Both game sixes. Both uh, home teams are up three games to two, trying to close out here. So you got the road teams that are underdogs in both of these situations trying to stay alive. What a crazy game six or uh, game five, I guess that was for uh, Milwaukee, Boston last time out, huh? That looked. It, Felt like things shifted quickly because two games back, the Bucks are up, what, double digits. Boston comes all the way back to tie the series. It looked like Milwaukee was about to go up 3-1. Then in the fourth quarter, Boston's up by 14, and Milwaukee comes all the way back. and now They're up three. Great chance to close it out. Championship teams respond against adversity, and both these teams have responded when their backs have been against the wall and in critical games. I mean, they were down some big numbers, like 10, 11, double digits, and both teams came back. I mean, it's a shame that these teams are playing in the second round because, I mean, let's face it, looking at who's who's left, you kind of got to feel whoever wins between the Celtics and Bucks is going to be winning it all at the end of the year. And it, it's, it's funny. It's like we – I completely agree. Right now, this looks like the series that is by far the best series. And we we, we got to be careful because sometimes what ends up happening is like it's like a fight, right? The two teams in the series like this sort of take it all out of each other, and then they don't have as much left yeah. when they move on to oh, face other sure. other other for teams. Sure. Or sometimes the matchups are just a little bit different for whatever reason. Like you just don't match up as well with someone. But I totally agree with you. This feels like of all of the series, the one where we're watching the two best teams, and you really felt like in the in the East in particular, because it's sometimes it's really hard to compare what you're seeing in the East versus what you're seeing in the West or on like in two separate conferences or, but in the East, it felt like the, the Boston Milwaukee is like a fight, like an actual fight. 
And the the the, the crazy thing about the Bucks game and uh, the one guy who is so up and, and down and so funny because he it, a few points of the game looked like he may have been one of the reasons why the Bucks were going to lose. Drew Holiday t- just kind of taking some bad shots, maybe making a he gets a little bit a little bit too. A little bit too amped up sometimes You know you, you can see it like he But he's, I will but, but, say this He's the best number three in the NBA Oh, oh that and that's This yeah. is exactly where I was going So and so you can see what Like the problem when he's Got to be like the, the two Or sometimes the one Playmaker it's it's not that He's not a great player he's fantastic It's that sometimes he's a little bit Miscast as that as that role And so when he's having to make some offensive Plays down the stretch you're kind Of like uh oh you live and you die With him then you see what he does On the defensive side which was incredible And I was about it's funny I'm glad I didn't because I was About to tweet like oh no Drew Holiday's killing him and then he makes those Two great plays at the end that are Just incredible and he hits a big Three and he is one of those guys that I, I'm 1000% in agreement with you When you have Middleton back Taking some of those shots that Drew Was unfortunately forced into taking Then things get a lot easier For him and that's what Middleton does Better you know that's what that's his role yeah. But he, he's he trying was, to do what Middleton Does in the half court offense that's well, really he, like, he sort of has to his, Yeah and that's really like the only one They have that can do it um, mm-hmm. But what he brings defensively. I mean, hell, if you just look at the last 45 seconds of the game, he hit that three-pointer at the top of the key. He gets that steal from Marcus Smart. He has the awareness when Smart has the angle to the basket to come off Jalen Brown to get the blind side, the blind side block to stay inbounds. And instead of just chucking it right against Marcus Smart, where it come right back at him, he threw it at an angle. So an angle away from him, like what he did that play was awesome. Is absolutely, absolutely designed. But my issue with that play, like everyone's blaming Marcus Smart for dra- driving. The reality of the situation is this: everybody knows that if you have an angle, which Smart did, Smart had an angle. You got to drive that there in that situation. That's number one. If you look at Holiday, when Holiday came off to help him, immediately. Brown should have cut to the hoop because there's no one there. Brown is standing at the three throw line just watching. Okay. And the last thing, the play was initially designed for Tatum to get the pick from Al Hortford. Wes Matthews, who's been doing a great job defending him, is up in Tatum's face. Halford comes to set the pick. Tatum doesn't even try to fight away oh. from Wesley Matthews. Tatum smart literally sort of, just smart Tatum sort of said that. Stands there. Yeah, he said it nicely, right? Smart didn't try to throw him under the bus or anything, but you could read into it. He said, "Well, you know, the play was for Tatum, and uh, and then he was defended no, no well." No yeah, fight. he said. Like, I think he, he said like the play was no for Tatum. Fight. He he defended well. It was defended well, and there was a lot of standing around. So, so I just Tatum went. Tatum I know the Bucks are just going to be like, "Hey, dude, like, here, get the ball. You're open at the yeah. end. We're just going to give you a ten footer. You like you a mid range. You like, have to." You have to fight. I and showed like, you that my, lick, that link, yeah. that clip of Tatum falling down just when he didn't get hit. Did you see? Did you see that? I sent yeah, you on Twitter. I that. Saw that. <laughs> I saw that. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and also the one thing the Bucks did because the Celtics, because Williams wasn't there, they started to play a little bit small. I'll give Bud credit. 
Bud can sometimes get the old man syndrome, I call it, where he gets stuck in his ways. But he didn't that game. He played Connington a lot more. Allen didn't get any run. George Hill, thank God, minutes were limited because they look awful defensively when he's on the court. And he gave Portis more run. He adjusted to what the Celtics were doing. And we can see it. I said at the beginning of the series, playing the Bucks is like swimming with sharks. Like the longer it lasts, the better it is for them because they just take little bites off of you the longer the series goes. And by the time you get to game five, six, and seven, you're just exhausted. We saw it with Al Horford in, uh, what was it, game five? Where he Grant really Williams. Struggled. It's the same thing. Grant him. Williams. You know what I mean? They're, these guys are just. You can't do it. You just can't get on because these teams are just so physical and they're and, bigger than you. it's yeah. different when you're bigger than them. Like, like when you played against Brooklyn, you can be a bully to someone you're, you're bigger than, right? It's easy. Yeah. It's and easy to do that. At the end of the day. I mean, the bucks are averaging, what is it? Almost 50 points in the plane. You know, everyone wants to talk about shooting threes and everything. If you're getting 50 points in the paint, and you're getting 14 second chance points a game, 12 offensive rebounds a game. That just wears on you. The Celtics, you know, I've been saying that since day one. They just aren't big enough, and it's showing. Maybe Tatum and Brown can, like, come through with something. But the fact the Bucks survived the quote-unquote Tatum-Brown game and actually found a way to win, I mean, that, for Boston fans, you got you can't be feeling that great going into tonight. No, with two opportunities now, and... It felt that that was a yeah that was one I think that hurt and, really hurt Boston uh, down the stretch that that was a real real killer Giannis hits the big three which oh, is like oh, oh my but, God. No, no, Giannis, no. but I mean like that play where Giannis hit the three it kind of reminded me and I know the circumstances are different of the play when San Antonio was playing the Heat and there was that scramble and Ray Allen hit that three like it was like game what finals game six that kind of mm-hmm. propelled them to winning it all. That's one of those plays, like, if the Bucks do win it, you that's can kind of look back to that play and be absolutely. like, wow. I think also somebody that's getting absolute zero street cred for what he did in that fourth quarter is Connington. He hit two big threes. Um, he he's really good he's a clutch. He's clutch right now. Yeah, he played good defense against Smart, going straight up, not following him, and he hit those two three throws at the end. He He's playing great, getting absolutely – Zero cred, and I'm going to, like, tell you right now, like, everyone's talking about Embiid this, Embiid this. What Giannis did in that game and what he did last year in the finals is why Giannis is three worlds above what Embiid is right now. See, what's so funny? I was just about to go there. I, I just found out earlier today what this is about. This is like a Bucks thing. You guys, like, what, what is it with you guys that you got against Embiid? Which is it's hilarious. It's like a fan base thing. This, this reminds me, I got to tell you, this reminds me a little bit of how Leo is with Lamar because it's like people have, like, I think that the Bucks fans caught one or two people that one time said they thought Embiid was better than Giannis. And every Bucks fan in the world must have seen that clip and shared it around and well, played it a million times because here, nobody here, really I, thinks that. Who really thinks that Embiid's better than Giannis? Nobody does. So I don't know if it's – I think that you hate well, Embiid uh, so much well, because no, like, of that. Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't – I feel Embiid is overhyped. Okay, you look at the situation, and I've said for numerous times you can't win as Embiid being your leader. Last, last, last year he threw Ben Simmons underneath the bus. This year he threw Harden. He but here's – but, but, but can I – can yeah. I, my rebuttal to that is 
are are those guys that should be thrown under the bus? But yeah, if you're I, the leader of the team, you don't do it. I mean, there's you know different I mean? ways like, to, but but there's different ways to lead behind, though. You can do it behind closed doors, but you can't do it in a public setting like that. If those, because if, how if those are your guys, year, but if those aren't your guys, I mean, Michael Jordan's shit on people. LeBron shit on people. Kobe shit on people. You know what I mean? Like all of the best players have done exactly what we're trying to critique them for. The only yeah. one that hasn't is Giannis because that's your guy and that's the Bucks guy. He's really great, but it's because he hasn't right. done that quite yet to people that have left his team because he's still young. I think, like I would have crapped on what and what Ben Simmons did and Beach. And you know, Harden was Harden wasn't very good. I think it's going to work out oh, well for them because no now. Way. Harden, now you don't like, pay Harden, right? Yeah. See, I found out today it's a Bucks thing against Embiid. Nah, That's See, what like, it is. Like, I think like I am the most even keel dude, and I tell it as it is, and like I know. how I feel about. And That's people, why I'm like, calling you out really, on this one. This is the one guy. Don't really feel about about affecting my betting. Like if I if I'm not a fan of your game, I'll still bet you. Oh no, you and that I and I one thousand percent agree. Like Embiid, you will like, bet him, but you'll still whip him. Embiid's getting all these excuses. Oh, he had like a torn thumb injury. He had a fracture eye socket. I mean, did we forget that Giannis basically like hyper? See, stop. See, stop. See what you did, though. See what you did. See what you did. You went right to Giannis. We can't just compare him only to Giannis. That's not fair. What about everybody else? Other guys don't show up or don't even play. Heck, Anthony Davis gets hurt sometimes and isn't even there. Embiid was couldn't even. If you watched Embiid and thought he was healthy in that game last night, he was falling over oh, repeatedly. I know. I know. That's my thing. See, you just compared everyone to Giannis is the golden just, and he's the golden goose. Embiid to it because every everywhere but why I, everywhere I because people have everywhere I'm seeing on Twitter right now. Oh, a million excuses for Embiid. Embiid this. Embiid should have won the MVP. And he talks so much about how he should have won the MVP. But th- but that's the yeah. I, Name I, and, one other sport where there's a player that goes up to the podium and lobbies where he should win the most valuable player. Boston and Marcus Smart lobbied for the defensive player. Of the no, no, year. no, another sport. Another, <laughs> oh, oh yes, another sport. Like, but you know, what I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no, and that's the one thing that pisses me off about the NBA. You never see. Oh my God! I'm spacing on a foot on a football player. Um, whoever, you know what I mean. I'm like Aaron Donald. You never hear him, Bobby. Hey, I should win the Defensive Player of the Year. Or, you might hear Aaron um, Rodgers say that though. Oh yeah, you might but, hear. No, I'm not sure. Be, you know what I, mean? I don't think I don't think I've ever heard Rodgers say, "Hey, I need to win the MVP." It just. I or think like, if he doesn't, he'll say he should have won the or MVP. Like, Oh, yeah. That's the kind but of I guy mean, like, he is. During the season, I mean, it's kind of like I don't like that either. No, I don't like that a either. Kind, a kind of like a joke, and like his whole like look at me flamboyant thing. I'll say it. I don't like it. Like I'm not a big Jason Tatum fan, but I have no issue with the way he plays and he conducts himself. I'm just not a fan of his. But I mean, with the way Embiid conducts himself, his whole look at me thing, and then he said afterwards. His quote after not winning the MVP said, I'm not going to focus on the individual stuff as much next year. I'm going to focus more on the team stuff. That's all you need to know about him. That was his quote after not winning the MVP. Yeah. And, and again, so like, I think there are, a, it's a little unfair to just say 
He's not that guy so I hate him And I can understand not liking the flamboyant <laughs> stuff Because if that's not your style And I know that's not your style That's not the way you are yeah. But I think the thing about him is like, I think there are Like he did look hurt I'm not blaming what happened in this series on him at all And I think there's like You know we have these conversations where it's like Giannis is the best player right now Giannis isn't going to win every MVP every year Because from here on out Giannis is probably going to sit out more games And worry oh, yeah. more about You know what I mean? Like he's just nowadays yeah, He's going to yeah. be worried about like Priming up for the playoffs again And being healthy like it'll be how LeBron Started shifting into that mode and even though he's Younger and so I like look Giannis will be that guy for the next 10 years Where any year he doesn't win The MVP it's sort of like You look at the league and you're like I mean really Like he's not the most valuable But but I think that's weird and I, and I It is sort of it's sort of messed up because I, I think that's a thing that Maybe irks you as a Bucks fan and a Giannis fan Because you're right Like there is no season where we're looking going Whoever else is really the MVP It's always Giannis But what ends up happening It's the, the guys who have the, the best statistical year And maybe their team is overachieves Or I guess in this case for both of the big men this year They both didn't really have a whole lot You know Simmons didn't play the whole year Then they got hard in And the rest of the, the uh, 76ers weren't that great And then hell for Jokic that team was miserable, but and B, I mean, and also I don't like how Embiid like just like why is he chucking threes? No, that that I don't like. And, you know what I and mean? Like, can, why is he? And I don't like threes? that Giannis um, or Embiid even takes the threes. Now, here's oh, the one no. the one thing I final say I'll and just about Embiid to like let's compare in my head because I like you was a coach. You're a coach. I coached a lot of younger kids and kids. Starting to come up that were 10, 11, 12 And starting to get into that age where <laughs> Right when they're like 13 or 14 They start telling you to F off, you know But then right when they're under that, they're, they're really cool And they'll listen to whatever you say And they'll be like your best friend, you know And then they get So I'm thinking about Embiid And let's like compare Embiid and Tatum Because you, you mentioned a good guy, right, Tatum Like I, I, I agree, like I, I hate Boston as a Laker fan But I watch the way Tatum plays Very good on both ends and I look at, I wonder where he came from So Tatum was a Duke guy, right? So he went from Coach K To then Brad Stevens Those are two mm-hmm. pretty good leaders He got taught the right way Where did Embiid came, came up from like Very little, he played Didn't even really play in Kansas He was hurt, and then he came right into Philly They told him to get hurt I mean they told him you're hurt, you're not even gonna play We're gonna lose a bunch of games So I think, I understand Why you or other people would hold some of that against Embiid, but I look at it and go, you know, I don't think it's that bad of stuff. He's a little immature, but man, the thing that I like is, you know, Jimmy Butler, he loves Embiid. You know, you hear him talk about Embiid, and I don't think a guy like Jimmy Butler would like a guy like Embiid if he wasn't someone who worked hard. And then Jimmy Jimmy Butler walked back. I don't know if you saw after the game. He said, "They picked Tobias Harris over me. Nice call." Pick Tobias Harris over me. He was just ripping. But I mean, like the thing with Butler. Now I could speak on this for firsthand knowledge because I do have a very close friend who works for the Heat organization. You have to like you need an alpha head coach for that to work with Jimmy Butler and someone that will put Butler in check. Absolutely agree. And that's what Spolster did. Spolster mm-hmm. put him in check. Totally Those agree. Those two go at it all the time. But the fact that Spolstra stands up to Butler, doesn't take any shit, will get right in his face, he has Butler's respect. With what the Sixers had, nope. Brown, I mean, we, we forget that when Jimmy Butler got hurt, 
the 76ers didn't even want him in the building rehab having they paid for him to go out to California to rehab because he was being such a pain in the ass and he didn't respect anyone in the building. Because how could no you? Doubt, yeah, yeah. Well, no doubt Butler is like Butler is Butler. You know, he's there were probably only five competitor, but five coaches. Have, yeah, right. You have to have like an alpha type coach, someone that will put him in his place and be willing when he does and, and when he does like confront you about something to confront him right back and to hold your ground and what the 76ers had in their coaching staff and even like player wise, cause Lowry will get in Butler's face. The 76ers at that point really didn't have anybody that could do it. So even if Butler stayed with the personality he has, that's a pretty like, you don't know. Combustible. No, it's you combustible. Don't, you don't know if it would have worked. Nope. Nope. I, I'm, I uh, think I just more like, you know, for the most part, the players kind of know each other, right? They they sort of like they know who's sort of phony and who's not. And um, I I do like just knowing that a guy that's driven like Butler is seems like of yeah, all the I people mean, there, like, Butler, he he liked him be, you know. Yeah, and I wish Butler. I just think I keep you know I keep harping on this. I I like Embiid because the coach in me likes these guys that are like a project like that. That's not but, a bad dude. You know, he's My not done this, anything like, criminally. He's not, he's, he's a fan. He just mentioned one thing that he mentioned I thought was kind of cool. When they asked him about the MVP the other day, he said, this is something that people would have loved if Giannis said it, which Giannis does these things. He said, he mentioned his family. He said, right now, the most, the M, MIP or like most important thing to me is my kid, my, you know, family or something, you know, and he mentioned it. And I, so I don't know. That was but I cool. mean, like, that's probably like his. Press person telling him, "Hey, you didn't win this. Say this to save face." But because, but, here, like, but here, if isn't that but, isn't I mean, that like, what we want though? I know, but my thing is this: is like those guys are all prepped when they go up to there. You can really tell a lot from a dude like like take Butler, like Butler straight. He tells it how it is. Ha- have it be like right after a game or in the interview with Rachel Nichols when all that Minnesota stuff was going on. But when you see like one guy act one way and then look completely different in an organized press conference. That's when I start raising, eh, maybe that was given to him, probably was. And and that's what I want. I want people to be smart enough to at least listen to some of the advice around them. Because, see, I think there are some people for, like, Embiid, here, here's my only thing. You you are 100% right. You, you don't hold grudges in how you bet anything, anything. You will – your money in what is the right bet always comes first. That's why I love – Interacting with you but there are like a few People that you have the grudges Against that you'll never Give positive praise No but matter I mean, like no matter like, what like, <laughs> No what matter I what About him like been that wrong Though I think I mean? it's like, I think It's just the most cynical like, And hardest version because Like if we're stacking and beat up This year I think he Probably had the second most like what were, where would you have voted him if you were voting for the MVP this year? Where would you have placed Embiid? Oh, I still would have placed him second. I think Joker should have won it. Embiid too. Um, but you would agree um, that Gian- Giannis yeah. is like by far the guy. You know what I mean? Like if we're yeah. if we're and saying I, like I, best I feel, player, I feel the dude. Another guy, I not a fan of his. I, the guy I feel who got like I what, screwed over or looked over the most in the MVP stuff. I thought was Booker. Completely past, agree. If you were the best player on the best team, with the twi- that was in- used, and I feel he 
he got completely shafted on everything. There was a there's a number too that I think it's like the points that he averaged and like five rebounds and five assists and like anyone that's hit those numbers has won the MVP and he was like just under them. And yeah, was getting I mean, like yeah. no buzz no whatsoever. whatsoever on a team Which that is, was awesome. So I agree yeah. completely. If there was someone that I think got overlooked this year, and I think for me, I think the only is the what happens in this like in the conversation that we're having is just that the people that you have probably either followed or some of the stuff that you've looked at have probably overhyped Embiid and a lot of the and me personally, like I like him, but I don't think he's I think he's an MVP quality player in the regular season. I think like a lot of players, he still really has to prove it in the postseason. You know, there are only like four or five guys that you really, really could say, hey, this guy for can me, you. For, you for know? me to prove it in the offseason is when it's 2-2 and you're on the road or 3-3 on the road or down like 1-2 pivotal game force, like something like that, like this- a very pivotal game on the road you need to prove it. Mm-hmm. He has yet to do it. Someone we'll talk about in a little bit. Luca, he's got a chance to do it on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. That's a great point. So, like, like do something gotta, you're do not something supposed to do. You got to win a game, a series, to elevate yourself up. Like Tatum, Tatum's got an opportunity tonight. Elimination mm-hmm. game. That's a great on point. The road. It's a great way you to say you have a chance to. I call it the big boy table in the NBA. You have a chance right now to step up to the big boy table in the yep. NBA. If you if you can win this game and you're gonna get a win at home, you have a chance to elevate yourself. Yep, Luke and has I a chance to elevate himself too. So we'll we'll see what happens. And I'm while I'm and I like this because you and I agree a lot. So it's yeah. fun when we actually have a little a few people that we just disagree on. And it's not even that I disagree with what you said. I'm just I'm a little. I think he still has a lot more upside. And and with the right type of people around him. I think he could really unlock some of those things And I like what I've seen from him In some of the, like, the, the, his game I, It just, like you said, stop shooting the threes as much He gets a little too stupid with that sometimes I think so like, every, everybody point, does like, Why hasn't he reached out to Akeem Olajuwon And said, hey, teach me the dream shake No, that's, and, and you know you what You know what I mean, like, that's, like why and that's And that's, no, you're right And that's something that has shown his willingness to work with he's one of You're, the few all-time players they'll be like oh yeah dude come down and that's Houston, you know let's do work and maybe we find out in a few years he does or he doesn't or he says i should have done something like that or he's asked someone i don't i don't know but you're right those are things that are if you want to be the guy because we've seen he it's not as if he's lazy like he, his game improves every year and he works hard and he's he's in better conditioning and better shape than he's been before and some of the thing like we can look down and say I mean, Harden took one shot in the second half. I think um, they Danny Green got hurt immediately, and it's that sad. It's that sad to say. It's that sad to say, but that's that's a big deal, right? Like we, they have zero depth over there. So him going down that just crushed them. But man, they were for a team and, led by a guy that's supposed to be an MVP caliber player. That was a that was a bad way to go out at home. That was a bad, but, bad way to go out at home. I think Maury deserves some of the blame too, because like, totally agree. How everything played out would it have been more beneficial for 76ers to have Curry and Drummond or have Harden? Well, here, here's what you I know do. What I mean, here, here's why I say. Curry, 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 let me say Curry. on the court, on the court, Curry 
and Drummond. Like, but yeah. let me say this: if they wouldn't have done this, Maury still would have wanted to go get Harden and sign him to the max. This oh, might have sure. been a blessing sure. in disguise. Oh, I'm not, he, you, I'm you know what I mean? Pure, I'm just talking. Yep. If you, if you, and, and I agree with you in winning a game of basketball in this series, in this matchup, what would have been better for them? Curry and Drummond instead of Harden. Absolutely. Is it better for them? Maybe that they did this right now because now they were able to get a look at what Harden is like in that scenario when you need him. He had the yeah, one good he's... game. We, we gave him credit. He had the, he had the one good game in the series where it looked like Miami was coming back. They were down two to one. Miami was sort of sorting to come back. And then Harden, he was aggressive. He was hitting big shots. He was looking to score. We gave him a lot of credit for that. He was an absolute no-show. He said something like the ball didn't come to me. He wasn't even bad. He just wasn't even there. It was like and he said, like, yeah. but I mean, they asked him last night after the game some comment about his lack of shots. Did the ball didn't get the to way. me. Yeah. So the ball so didn't he said that how he answered it kind of led me to think there's like I don't know. There's gonna be something going on there. I mean, everyone says Doc's gonna leave. If Doc leaves, that's an eight million dollar cap hit. Yeah. Or and you're gonna bring in D'Antoni? That like that's the that, those were the rumors like D'Antoni with Embiid, and yeah, it's not gonna work. Just, so maybe now they realize you know what we do, we don't we we have Embiid here. This is the guy we need to build around. That's yeah, that's what we to need get, to you know. You need to get more stout on the defense on the wing. Maxie's been a nice find, right? Maxie's like Max been a great find. That's a great piece, but you need a point guard. You yep. need like a leader. A, a veteran or a more veteran-ish not, not point even. guard. Like, you know, it's funny. I'll one of the guys that would have been good for them was someone like who he's been hurt a little bit, but like a Brogdon-type person, you know? Like someone who's just sort of like got a good head on his shoulders, can shoot. Can, even like, like the guy from Memphis, Jones. Yeah, like not I mean, even. I think, I think Jones, and we'll talk about Memphis later. He's a very good guy. I think he's proven, because he was good up in Minnesota, that on a team that has like, that doesn't rely on him to score, that just relies on him to facilitate. So if you have like a Maxi and you have like an Embiid, he can work in there because he can do the pick and roll. He can hit Embiid. He can drive. He can kick the Maxi. He'll get people in the right spots like he's doing against the Warriors. I think he would be a good guy, but I don't – he earned himself a lot of money and Brunson earned himself a lot of money. So I don't think he'll be able to afford those guys. Yeah, just a, a couple shooters around them, a leader. Another big. A- and then a big, a backup big, and like Biot, buy some Biombo, Biombo, yeah. Deadman. We're seeing how crucial Deadman. Javale's you know been I mean? good, yeah. Javale was good, and they put Biombo in. Deadman's been very good. You're right. You know, Deadman can stretch it like a little a, bit, like or even a drunk, like just like a big that can play like ten to fifteen behind MB. That's it. Um, that's that's all they need. That's yep. literally like another big, not much, another shooter, a point guard. They're there. Um. Beal is the guy that, that that they've been rumored with a lot. But who are you going to trade for? Like honestly, if well, I'm if I'm that would be the Harden that would be the Harden sign and trade. If you, you, you really if you Harden? if you, I mean, if you're Washington, do you want someone that like that would be so perfect for him? He could just go there, be lazy, you know. Now, let me let me. Now, let I, me I think fl- they said let, that on. Uh, flip, said, I heard flip, that somewhere. I can't remember where, but they let were, me flip were. this on you. We're in the player. Was it player power error? Yeah. Yeah. Like Butler kissy face with Embiid after the game, Embiid goes and says, "Hey, I want out of here. I want to go to Miami." Oh, I know, right? Well, I mean, like, like seriously, do you think he, yeah. is that something he'd do? 
I mean, right? Because, like, honestly, like, if he's legitimately saying he's about winning, that's what you do. You get you to a go... championship culture. I mean, you look yeah. at what Miami's done. Yeah. Are they, like, three conference finals in the last five years? Like, this team constantly performs well. They have a great culture. They have a insane. They overperform and overachieve. Insane player development. You look at Struess, Robinson, um, Martin. Hero. You know, Martin, all these guys, they have a great player development system. That, that if Embiid is serious about all this winning talk, he, he's dramatically doing after not winning the MVP. I mean, dude, like, that, yeah, that you, would be the place to go to. This this is where, you know, this is this is a big sort of crossroads point for him because right now is a moment where you, you kind of have a clean slate because you're either going to make a decision with or w- with or without Harden, and then that's going to leave you a lot of flexibility. And then if not, and then and you've got the doc thing hanging over there too. You could have a new face, and you could have a lot of room to sort of build around this guy. And like you could, if if Joe, if you're Joel, and you go and say, "Hey, look, we need to, you need to do some stuff right now. You need to show me that you're." Willing to change and win here and if not I'm going to go somewhere else because I still think that the process is going on You know the the process is still happening We got to get out of here you're right because that That's if you get stuck there Then you just end up being someone in You know 10 years down the line who just never Got past the second round we know We know Joel right now Even him with not a whole great cast Of characters around him can Get you Into the playoffs and and get you To a certain point yeah, right, but he needs he needs help. Mate. All and we've said this Which about big men. Almost all needs. big men needs that. He he's yeah. not a guy who can dribble the ball, and that's why he's not ever it, him and, and even even Jokic, who's fantastic. Like those guys are never going to be able to be, unfortunately, comparable to someone like Giannis or LeBron because those are guys who can facilitate too oh, and dominate. Cool. They're a physical specimen as well as just. The move that Giannis made, that little up and under, that like Dr. J move that he hit, that little layup was like, wow, he does things the way he sort of just contorts his body. It's yeah, like he's just, you know, he's just a physical freak. freak. It is. Um, it is. You know, but we'll, we'll see. Like Embiid can totally say, hey, I want out of here, or he can stay here. We just, we just don't know. It should be an interesting NBA offseason with what you know those guys do in terms of. Everything in, in terms of the heat, um, you know, the goal is to win a title, and I, I get that. But in terms of longevity, constantly making to the playoffs, constantly winning rounds, constantly making to the conference finals, they're the franchise right now. Yeah. Because I mean, they're constantly, I think it's like three out of the last five, I think nine out of the last. They're very five. Dodgers-like in the way they run you know their operation I mean? of an, of, compared yeah. to the NBA for baseball. You know, it's just like yeah. they do things from like very well. At all levels, from the bottom up, it's just smart. But that starts with Riley. Mm-hmm. It's trickled yep. down, mm-hmm. and he's a, he's you know, a, that, a stickler for attention to detail. For you know, from top to bottom. I mean, and I, the story is, you know, LeBron was there. He wanted to go out after a game, and Wade was like, "No, no, we don't do that here. We're getting on the jet and going back to Miami." You know, like, and LeBron, and that just, LeBron. Is yeah. able to teach those things to other yeah. people, right? That's that's exactly. what it's all about. See, someone like Embiid, he hasn't had anyone, even like Doc. Doc's not a great, you know, someone who we love because Doc, the one Doc thing Doc gets 
so defensive about everything. I know that's the problem is that Doc is a bad loser. He's oh an God. awful loser. Doc's and here's the one thing. Doc is good. The the Doc gets the guys to like him, kind of like each other. He's supposed to be like a player's coach versus a tactician, right? He's not like a strategist or anything. But he as soon as things go wrong for him, I don't like the way he talks. And that's like if that's how your dad is or the the people that you hear for the most, you're going to sort of get that way. And so I think MB just needs new voices too because you're you are right in a lot of the things you say about him and I just don't want him I don't think he's ruined yet. I don't think See, he's beyond approach. Like he's to that point now where if he hasn't changed, you're not going to change. You know what I mean? That's where I think he is. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Doc wants to be liked. I'll be the first to admit I'm difficult to work with. I'm an asshole. But my players, when it's time to send them off to college and everything, they're ready for college. They don't. Um, they finish college. They graduate college. Some of them go on to play pro. Some of them go on to play overseas. Whatever. But you got to trust the process and like, not nah, as a bad term, but you got to like have the leadership there to say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. And when you get conflict, you have to say, look, this is the path. You have to stay with the path. And this is why, and you have to correct those young habits with players early on. And if you don't do it, they're just going to keep on falling in. I'll be honest. If I have a player come to me and they're 14, 15, I know I can get them to X. But in the back of my head, I say to myself, if I would have got them two, maybe three years earlier, I could have gotten to Y. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. they have bad habits, I can't correct. And unfortunately, that's where I feel and beat is it. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's yeah. And I, I don't. It. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. And he maybe. I don't know if I think they're just immature habits versus like Harden to me. The way he talks, the way he acts, that seems different. Like Embiid, he care like. Crying and stuff on the court, I actually like. I I like that he cares enough to be molded. I think, like we said, with a Chris Paul or a someone like that would have would have been a Lowry. Even would be so great, like how Butler was. And and if those guys looked at Embiid and said screw it, then I would say screw it too. But I think those guys would would want to take a it's, guy like that under their wing, you know. And and I it's going to be interesting in ten years. Yeah, we look at Embiid and we look at Aiden. Right. Yep. You know what I mean? Because Aiden mm-hmm. got in the league, was given Paul. Paul teaching him how to do it the right way. He was someone I was exactly thinking about. Right. Exactly. Because Embiid's much more skilled than Aiden. Oh, for sure. But I, but not, I do think. But I do think people. But I do think people don't give Aiden quite as much credit. Aiden was like the man in Arizona. This guy was a number one option and has a very good offensive game and a lot of things he can do. You know, I think sometimes people just sort of think of him as a role guy, and it's like, no, Aiden, Aiden can do more than that. Just but look at the way he acted when Arizona got eliminated. They got upset. What was it? It was like a three fourteen by early, like, yeah, early. And look how he acted. And then after being around Paul for half a year, look how he's acting now. That I'm talking mm-hmm. about last year. Yep, total night and day because Paul's a professional, like you're saying. You're getting that leadership, but he's getting that when he's young. Mm-hmm. He's so able to instill he it. He knows what to do. He knows how to take care of his body. He knows what to do after a game, how to eat after a game, not going out and partying or going to the casino before the game, whatever. The the key is like you like, like you were saying. Learn that, and I just think it's too late to be honest. I like you were saying, it 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 has to if it's ever going to come. Because for someone like me, even 
it all if I'm always and I know you are too. I'm always looking. I have my way of doing things, but I'm always trying to get better and improve and add to it. You know, because if you're not, then you're sort of going to be standing in place while other people are moving forward. And I think the I do think that in the the right type of situation, he is um he is someone that someone w- would want to to kind of take on as that project and say I can I can do it with this guy I can take it I can lead him and I th- I feel like he would he would listen to the right voice and I just don't know if he's gotten the right voice yet maybe he's beyond reproach we've talked a lot about Embiid which is fun we go on on some tangents here so uh, as we've been talking about how they got eliminated <laughs> Niang. He scored 18 points in six games. He was oh, yeah. six. I mean, but like it goes back to we talked about Maury. Maury. They don't have the pieces around oh, it. My. Like everyone was talking about, oh, you know, and Sixers futures tickets. They don't have the pieces. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like they no. do not have any of the pieces to even remotely contend about the championship team. Like nope. if you look at like Nian, perfect example. If he played on the Celtics, is he on the court? No. If he played for the Bucks, is he on the court? No. Grizzlies, no. Suns, no. Heat, no. You know what I mean? Like no. their roster just isn't isn't that. So I mean, he played twenty you know, plus was, minutes yeah. twice and played fifteen plus minutes four times in the series. Made a total of six shots and a total of eighteen points. Like you need a guy like Niang in your series to have an eighteen point game. You need your role players to all have a game like that. In order for you to succeed And when you're getting nothing from them This isn't like a Because in the blame pie That was the 76ers season this year As they're done There's plenty to go around Everybody, There's a lot of people that get slices Of, of the blame pie for their team And that's, that's usually what happens when you lose And oh, when, you sure. lose, when you lose early on It's usually more than just one or two people But Maury is one that you're the He's architect. He's not getting the attention that he deserves. He should be getting Honestly. equal crap. I agree with you there. He should be getting equal, equal crap. Now, so the Heat, they're chilling. They get to wait, and um, they get to wait around for Boston or Milwaukee. And we do feel like the Boston-Milwaukee series is the the one where the these are the two toughest teams. These are the two teams so far that have been playing the best and Think about it, Milwaukee does not even have Middleton right now They even have a, a little more upside and uh, and even perhaps a higher ceiling there So uh, Boston, Milwaukee, as we get ready for a game that's uh, just a few hours away from us there Do you think Milwaukee will close it out tonight? It's about a one and a half really tight line or so I still think the numbers it's, I think, little... yeah, like, I gotta go with the Bucks here And it's just the reason yeah. like, we're seeing it Horford's not playing as well Williams is not playing a while Not Williams, but Grant Williams isn't playing as well um, if the the Celtics last game they went small just because Robert Williams was hurt, and the Bucks went small, not playing Lopez as much, and that really they were fine defensively. I mean, it does kind of hurt their rim protection, but if they play Williams, that means Lopez is going to play, and the Bucks are better with Lopez on the court defensively. And Bud is showing like in games like this, he did it last year against the Nets. He'll tight up that bench. Where one game against last year in the playoffs, he only played six dudes. He played their starting five and Connington. That was it. Bud will tighten up that bench. So I don't even know if Lopez is going to get that much run if Williams doesn't play tonight. So I I have all the faith in the world that the Bucks. I shouldn't say that. Fuck, I just jinxed it, did I? I? I don't think I, so. I, no, no. All the faith I, in the world is not guaranteeing anything. You have all the faith in the world. They're going to play really well. Like, anything yeah. can happen. But I, 
I don't think you're going to get a clunker from them. Oh, They're not going to be at home and throw in no. one of these games where they get beat and by 20. Like, it's not happening talking, for them. I was talking to my buddy. I'm not going to say his name, but he was a former NBA coach of the year, and he made it one of the best comments that I've ever heard when it came to talking NBA. Um, he said this. He goes, championship teams, their role players game travel. And we saw that from the Bucks in um, last game. Connaughton. In Porter. Porter. He said, he goes, look, he goes, for the Celtics to win, they need a Horford game or they need a Grant Williams game. Mm-hmm. He goes, if that doesn't happen, it's over. And I mean, he's right they... ahead, like, if, you need, if you're going to win a championship, you need to win a game on the road and you need one of your role players, you need their game to travel. I don't, I don't have faith that Horford or Williams' game will travel. I'll take the Bucks. Bucks, uh, I'm, I've been my lean uh, most of the series also. And Boston has played really, really, really well, really hard on defense. Their their defensive personnel is just, when you look at their individual defensive personnel, it's good. They're all just individually good defenders, good defensive players. So it makes a lot of sense. They can switch. They don't really have a whole lot of player like different people you can attack when they have Smart, Brown, Tatum, and Horford out there as a combination those are all four guys that are really good. They're not small and they're they've got length, size and like girth to them also with smart. Yeah. Like they're so personnel-wise they're always going to be tough. It's not as if but, I think this is going to be an easy game, but it felt like that was just a backbreaking loss for Boston more than it would have been for Milwaukee cuz Milwaukee could have come home here to keep their season in the lo- on like alive and then go into a game 7 where you're still the reigning champ and you still feel like you have the experience edge and maybe Boston but, comes in here and steals it but you obviously it's a better spot to be in being Milwaukee oh, right now way better spot you know beating Milwaukee two games in a row is going to be tough and back to that point like Brown came in and I think for the rest of the game they scored eight points after Brown came in. Number two, do you know how many rebounds Jason, excuse me, do you know how many rebounds Jason Tatum had in the second half of that game? I don't. He had as many as you and I did. Zero. He's getting tired, man. He's Zero. getting tired. But that's my point. That's my it's point, legs. Dude. Like West, but like you have Wes Matthews, who's just, Leaning on you and leaning on you For the whole game Not letting you get that space Having you work to get the ball Dude we're five games in That's adding up You look at someone like Wes Matthews That player right there Would have been absolutely perfect For the 76ers to have Someone that can play defense Someone that can hit a corner 3-1 open And someone that will drive to the basket And look to finish And have the confidence to finish the Bucks got him, and I hate this term, was off the, the the street or stub hub or whatever it's called. You know what I mean? What is it? What is it called? You know the off, term I'm talking? Yeah, off the. Uh, I know where you're going off the like the stockpile or whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You look at Wes Matthews. He is. Like, I like Wes. You you don't contain Jason Tatum with someone as talented as he is, but he's making Tatum work and get tired. He's really good in the post. Wes yeah. has a he's a big he has like a good strong base so you yeah. can't really back him down and he makes things really difficult on and you there can. I was always a fan of Wes he he played a little bit with the Lakers he just sort of he was hurt and kind of sick he's kind of got kept in and out he was really unlucky there but he is one of those winning role players that you can have that be you need. like a starter he can start for you and be like a 
a wingish guard. He can come off the bench and be like your seventh man, your like second guy off the bench, and he'll hit threes when he's open. He doesn't make he doesn't do anything stupid. He never no. tries to make a play that he should not. He no. you never see him like crossing over and trying to take a bunch of guys off the dribble when there's you know he he just ball but, moves, ball flows. Really big fan of Wes yeah. and you know he's been a great he's been a great but I mean like as a championship level like GM like a guy like that a guy like Struess as a championship level GM those are the guys like you find that come in that contribute and I mean I guess that's another shot at Maury by me yeah Maury doesn't find those guys to take you over the hump and I'm not talking to like like a star type player I'm talking about somebody that's Let me- just Wes Matthews was completely forgotten about. He wasn't let me give a you roster an, in December. Let me give you an example. So when the Lakers won the title a few years ago, because everyone will say, oh, well, the Lakers won. It was LeBron and AD, right? The guys who, the starting lineup, the, the starting lineup in the finals was Caruso and Morris. Exactly. Caruso Those are two guys was, that were starting. That was a, a G-leaguer. That was a G-leaguer who was yeah. starting game six of the NBA finals. And we actually went and got, um, because he was released and he was a buyout, we went and got Markeith Morris. And Markeith Morris, because Miami, we didn't need to go as big against Miami. He was a great going smaller because AD yeah. and Bam were a fine matchup. We didn't need the two exactly. bigs there with Dwight or Javale. So Morris played the four and he shot lights out because he was a great yeah. like four that could stretch. You picked him up in the middle of the year, and now all of a sudden that was a great move. Is Polinka that he do stupid stuff this year? Yes, but when you win. It's because you get a little bit lucky and you you make a good move and then you get a little bit lucky at the same time, right? Yeah. And I mean, like, what Caruso did for you guys, what Morris did, like, everyone can talk about LeBron and AD, like you said. But if you guys don't have those two, you guys had two quality bigs, not one. You had mm-hmm. two quality bigs in Ho- Howard and um, McGee. JaVale. Yeah, you guys had exactly what I'm talking about, that – Boston really doesn't have. You look mm-hmm. at Milwaukee, Miami. My thing with Miami, like again, Butler's great. They need Bam. If Bam can't really like control the glass for them, can't really in a pick and roll hit a jump shot, that is really big for them. So for me, everyone can talk about Butler, Giannis, Middleton coming back, Holiday. The whole X factor for the series, and it's not even close. Can Bam control the glass and get a rebound? And can, um, excuse me, can he hit a jump shot in the pick and roll? If he can do that, Miami has a legitimate shot of beating Milwaukee if Milwaukee gets through. And even Boston for a that. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the X factor. He's the one that needs to show because you know you're going to get it from Butler every single night because the dude's a pit bull. Yep. Martin, Martin's a pit bull. You'll get competitive competitive from him and then between the mixture of hero and Struess, you'll get one of those two guys hitting jump shots so you know it just all comes down for bam for me for the miami heat let's move from the east over to the west we've got memphis versus golden state man what do you take out of golden state down by 50 in that game so here's my thing okay first of all as a coach i let my kids have fun i play music i try to you know what i mean like but there's a time to play mm-hmm. music, and it's really hard just because, like, a lot of the music that kids listen to these days has little, what's the term I'm looking for, Indu- sexual innuendo mm-hmm. or, yep. or says stuff like, 
And that song they play in Memphis, I would never play that in one of my I know. I can't believe it. I I see it, and they talk about it on ESPN. They're talking about whoop that trick. They play that. That is so – and I don't mean to sound like an old prude No, but it's bad. It's bad. It's pretty bad to be a song that you're you're championing. They should not be playing, okay? That's something they should definitely not be playing. Um, Number two, this is my thing with the Warriors. Um, you know, I've been saying it. They what they're doing is, and Kerr, if you look at them throughout the whole time Kerr has been there, Kerr is always on them for being careless for the basketball, being sloppy, being a little bit too showboatish, if you will, and turning the ball over too much. That is what they're doing. They're sloppy. They're turning the ball over too much. Kerr's not on the sidelines. You have Mike Brown, and I'll say it. I'll say it. Mike Brown isn't you know what I mean, isn't the leader and doesn't command the room no. as much as Steve Kerr does. Yeah. So now you're letting those guys get away with more. Now, we talked about it, you, myself, and Kyle. You have Steven Adams coming in. By Steven Adams coming in, they put him on Draymond Green. Draymond Green isn't even looking to score, dude. He's not looking to score at all. He's out on the, he's out on, um, the top. Adams just lurks off him and controls the middle, so they're kind of taking away, excuse me, all the driving lane, all the driving lane. Now you're forcing guys to like make threes, and Memphis is one of the bigger, t- best teams defending the three. And I'm going to say this about Memphis: that the mentality of the dudes that they have is a I want on my teams. Dogs. I want on my teams. These are, these are guys that have kind of been like, hey, you know what? You're not good enough. Melton, hey, you know what? You he's know like what a backup did? guy. He was yeah. like supposed to be good. He got cut. He had a weird incident at USC that, that he didn't even really end up doing anything wrong, and so he kind of got screwed a, a little bit. Like it was things have been weird for him, and he's just a guy that shows up. Like you're right, none of these guys. Brooks has a massive chip on his shoulder. That dude just wants is just always looking for a fight. Stephen Adams is like he's motivated as hell right now. He's one of the toughest dudes. In the league, they got a bunch of, yeah, like just dude. Even Jaron Jackson, when he came out, people were sort of not really sold on him. And even now, I, I everyone on their that team, Jaw was always smaller. I'm sure they got they all got chips on their shoulders. Jaw wasn't even if it wasn't for like the Murray State coach going to recruit someone else. God only knows what I have. Jaw, they have these bunch of these guys that have been told, "Hey, you're not good enough." Hey, you know what? You're not going to make it. And now you put him in the situation and you even like they're fighting. You have Taylor Jenkins. And I'll say it right now. People talk about like the top tier coaches in the NBA. Taylor Jenkins is right there, man. He's coming in. He's installing fight and grit to this team. And they, and we talked about against Minnesota with the demeanors of the guys, the demeanors of the coaches, this is the perfect underdog team. And I I love Minnesota. I love Memphis tonight just with how they're playing. Jaron Jackson, I said it when we did our pre-thing, he's not afraid of Draymond Green because they pl- have played against each other so much. They're driving. He's driving to the hoop. He's looking to be offensive. He took one bad shot. That was that three-pointer to tie it in, what was it, game four, game three. Um, he's playing great. Uh, Jones, the backup point guard, I think he should be a starter in the league. He's playing great. Bain, he's hurt. That's the one guy they need to click, and they need Dylan Brooks to be locked in. 
I think Memphis, man, as crazy as it sounds, it wouldn't be plus surprised me if, if this game tonight, I've already logged in at plus eight and a half. I, it wouldn't surprise me if this game is tight. You know, I think it's going to be how, tight. How they're I think... playing. And I'll say this. I've made this comment when you and I were talking mo- a month ago. This isn't the same Draymond Green. Nope. After that game against the Suns, Crowder said something. Like, normally Green would just kind of like, whatever, just walk off, not not like phase him. He fucking followed. Excuse my language. He followed up Crowder and got back in his face. You know, this is, he's like waving his towel to like, was it smack, hit that trick, whatever. Like, you're losing by 50? Come on, man. You know what I mean? Like, dude. Come on, like I don't, I don't mind it, but like if I'm on a team and you're doing that, or I'm a coach and you're doing that, I'm a little upset. I'm like, dude, like we're up fifty. Like if we were home up thirty, I wouldn't care. But we we're getting our asses kicked, and that's what we're doing. Did come off weird. I know he was trying to go so oppo. Rubs me like as a coach, as a competitor, someone that's played. It was something that just rubbed me, personally, me the wrong way. I had no problem with him doing it. You can do whatever you want to do. But, like, it w- it just kind of rubbed me the I whole way. And like, I don't like I, it. Yeah. It's it goofy. I don't know. It's too goofy. It's like you could sit down and smile. You know what I mean? Like, but I, the dancing and stuff, you're dead. You were down by 50. <laughs> you got that punched was... in your mouth. You, you yeah. literally got punched in your mouth. So and I just, I don't know. I think, to, I think tonight's guy, I mean, like. You look at what Adams is coming in. He's getting double digits rebounds, 15, 13 rebounds every single game just because the Warriors have absolutely no effing size, like none at all. And he's just able to eat down low. And Jackson's driving. He's not scared. Bain's driving. He's not scared. I mean, I'm the Warriors have looked so exposed, even though they're up 3 2. I think whoever loses, whoever wins between, excuse me, Dallas or the Suns, I like them to beat Golden State. I think Golden State is a little bit overhyped and a little bit overrated right now, too. I think because every, we saw what they were doing in the first couple of games of that Denver series. I think Denver was one of the weaker playoff teams. They had Jokic, who was awesome, but nobody else. We saw nothing else that was consistent from Denver. I, I think Memphis can keep this game close. I, I hope they can... I would love to see a game seven. And if we do have a game seven, we will be talking about it on BTV bets at better than Vegas. So uh, we will talk about these games any days. There are games and Eric, there are no basketball games on Saturday, but on Sunday, we will have a game seven Dallas Phoenix. This game right now, uh, we could have two. If, uh, if Milwaukee Boston goes to seven, that game would also be on Sunday. So uh, Dallas Phoenix, Phoenix set as a six point favorite in this game at home. In this series so far, every home team is uh, has won their games. We know that we just want to talk about this one quickly because we'll really dive into it on Sunday and preview the game early in the day on uh, on BTV bets there. But CP3 in his last four games, 13 points, four assists, five turnovers, seven points, 10 assists, four turnovers, five points, seven assists, fouled out in 23 minutes, 12 points, four assists, seven turnovers. He hasn't taken more than nine shots in any game. It's not that absurd for Chris Paul to not take a ton of shots, but it's usually incredible rebounding numbers or like very, very great efficiency. His efficiency has been fine, but he has just been like just a guy, not at all what he looked like early in this series or in round one, which was really helping them beat the Pelicans. Oh, and we're, we're at the point right now 
is it back to where it was? Paul's never going to win a championship, and he's just a regular season player. Because we've seen, like, you know, in the finals, granted, he did have the hand injury. He kind of disappeared. But it so, ends up this, he's always the smaller guards. I think this is what happens when you're a little smaller, right? You wear down a little bit more. It's hard to carry the load all the way. Booker got hurt. He was asked to do a little bit more for those games when Booker wasn't around. He had that stretch where he had a game where he was perfect. He hit every shot. And you know it's going to sort of go the other way a little bit. So it's a, it's a, it's a little scary for a Phoenix team who they've been awesome at home. They've been like a much different team at home versus on the road, and they have this game at home. But you know, give us a, a couple, like a minute or two of your thoughts before uh, before we get out of here, and, and you know, we'll dive more into this on Sunday. When you're playing against someone like Luca in a one game situation, you, it's just not you, you don't want to put yourself in that situation because really crazy stuff can happen. What if one Booker twists an ankle early in the game, or you know, the first five threes that the Mavericks shoot, they hit, and all of a sudden they're up fifteen to three, and you're just down by. 10 before you even blink an eye Crazy stuff can happen in one game Scenarios So here's my thing you're exactly 100% Right and I uh, The thing I don't Understand everyone wants to hype my, Monty Williams that You know coach the year Blah 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 and it, like don't get me Wrong I completely agree that He is the coach of the year that he should have won it If I have A size advantage with Aiden I'm going to switch my focus and early in the game, I'm going to start pounding it down low with Aiden. Aiden and pick and rolls. Because that pick and roll is there all game. I don't understand why the Suns don't do that more and more and more and more. It's kind of too centric with um, Booker and Paul. I think they need to be going more into the post, taking, like, forcing Powell to be on the court more. Because when he's on the court, because he is their big, you know what I mean? It just exposes what the Mavericks have. The Mavericks are the best team on the perimeter in the NBA, and it's kind of like how the Suns are trying to trying to work with the perimeter drive, perimeter pull-ups. It's just working in the Mavericks' hands. I think they need to center the offense around A and pick and roll and A and down below. Down below. Um, to backtrack what we said, Tim Bompis just tweeted bon out. Yep. Maury says Doc Rivers will be back. Oh so, my goodness! I, don't know. So, I wouldn't want him back. I just he is, yeah, he's the one that I get a little bit worried about from the top down because, like I said, the leadership—that's the thing. If yeah. if you keep with with a guy like Embiid, you do, it's I don't like saying words like ruined or wasted because the dude's had a great career and it's like we can't just downplay the accomplishments that he's had. But he wants to be a champion. He wants to be an all-time great. When you get to this level. Of a superstar you don't want to just Be another guy you want to win You want to be remembered as an all-timer You want to at least have one Year where it was your year and you Were the absolute best in the world and There's a lot of players that never get that Chance and I don't Know if Doc's the right guy to lead them to lead I, Them there. I don't think he is um, no So leaning so leaning Dallas my, it sounds my, like my, Yeah I don't know yet I'll have to see like I'll have to kind of look in it. You know, Dallas did have 18 assists. I thought they needed 20 to win the game uh, yesterday just because they're just so much better when the ball moves. But looking at it, the games before, I mean, Luke had an exorbitant amount of shots. And I think I think it was Brunson in the game they lost, game five. He was the only one with double digit. They have three guys with double digit shots. And that's what they need. They need got multiple guys putting up shots, not just Luca doing his thing. The ball needs to move. But yeah, I just... 
I'm just really disappointed in the Suns because I think they're making this game harder than they need to. Like, if they had more of the let's attack the rim, let's expose that the Mavericks have no height, I think they win this 4-2, maybe even 4-1. But they're just way too perimeter-oriented right now for me to really jump on it. And we said it before, if Luka wins this game, this is going to elevate Luka up one more tier. Winning a game seven on the road in the playoffs against the top team in the NBA. Um, And there was one other stat with the Suns. I think the Suns would be like one of the first teams that had the best record in the NBA that by like nine or 10 games or more that didn't win the NBA title. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this would be really disappointing. This would be really disappointing. Even that Warriors team that what 72 wins that Spurs team like had 64, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, you know, this, this would be a complete and utter letdown if they didn't win it. And the Suns are going to the off season. They didn't give Aiden his rookie extension, which was absolutely mind-boggling. You'll have an older Chris Paul. Older Chris Paul, older James Crowder. Um, yeah, they they definitely, if they don't win it this year, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Plus, you have the whole lawsuit thing with the, with the guy there in management with the sexual assault stuff. So, yeah, I just don't. It's if the Suns don't win it this year, I don't know if they're going to win it. Um, one more comment I wanted to make about the Celtics. As much as we talk about, as I talked about the Heat um, being the team that's constantly winning it, constantly not winning it, but performing in playoffs, overperforming, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Are we at the point where we look back and look at the Celtics and just say, "Look, man, they just don't have it." You know what I mean? Like you look at it, like how is this team of this base? Like, not made it, not even made it to the finals. Because they're constantly in the playoffs as, like, one of those one through four seeds. I know. That everyone has high expectations for that just fails to live up to it. And this is another had, thing. They've had some good roads. You know some what I mean? Some great like roads. The, some years where it's like things really broke great for them. It looked like they didn't, they didn't have the toughest teams along the way to have to face. And that's one of the things that I think you and I talk about. You never know You always think oh we've got a young team And we'll be back there and this and that You just you never know You gotta take advantage right when you're there You that's why you have to You have to have the right leaders there Because when you're in a 2-2 series Like Philly it was 2-2 They felt like they had all the momentum in the world They just won two in a row Embiid came back It felt like they were maybe the better team than Miami At that point And they got their butts kicked in back to back games Like how did you just give up when it was 2-2? It was a 2-2 series. It goes back to my point. Championship teams, when they're punched in the mouth, yep. figure they, it out. They, they figure it out. There's how no do you not have the team, the players around? You fight, you scratch, you do whatever you can. Your coach finds a way to inspire you, to motivate you, and that was not the I mean, case like, for them. I mean, like even if you just look at that – the Miami Heat roster, they rolled out. I mean, their starting lineup was out of Bayou, Vincent, Butler, Struess, and Tucker. And those were the only guys that played over 20 minutes. Does that lineup strike fear in you? Absolutely not. That's not, that's not a you know, terrifying personnel lineup at all. But No. They went out there. They faced adversity. They just outplayed them. They just outplayed them. They just play harder than you. They punched you. They beat you. They were tougher than you. They wanted it more than you did. 
I hate to go back to Philly because it seems like we're talking about. No, Philly no, but so that's much. fine because they got beat. But it's fine. Looking like the last two games they played, can you tell me that the statement is wrong that Philly played them like a regular season game? Not at all. You know what I mean? There is it was zero sense of urgency. You know, it's kind of like zero. Our whole season's about to end right here. And it's the kind fans. Of, it, it kind of like it feels to me that they already already had the built-in excuse of saying, "Hey, you know what? First two games we didn't have Embiid, and Embiid right. hurt. You know what You're I right. mean? Like, you know, next they were year already we there Harden. mentally. Next year, next year we get Harden off the books. Maxi will take his next step next year. You know, we can we can get rid of Rivers. You know, there was. I know. You're you right. You know what I mean? With with the Heat, they're in the lab trying to fixing. Out okay, what did we do wrong? Stuff. We're going to fix this next time. For these guys, they were checked out. You yeah. can see and then, it. Like, you can even see with, it. Even like, and I could be wrong because I don't watch as many post game interviews as I should. But has anyone on the Celtics said anything about not having Robert Williams last game? I don't think so. You know what I mean? There's no like, oh, we didn't have Robert Williams. Maybe if we had Williams in there, you know, we could have got the rebound instead of Porter. I, I have not heard one player on the Celtics say that. Have you? No, they haven't. No, I you heard the I mean? fouling. Like, no, I heard the foul stuff no, a little bit after the. Both of these teams have chirped everyone, a little bit about the fouls. Everyone, they all, but everyone does that. But that's the coaches thing. all complain, do that. You complain about the fouls. Yeah. The next game but, you get the call. That, mm-hmm. it, 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 like every team's gonna do. That. Every day, everyone. But I'm does talking that, about like, no, they don't having that excuse in. Oh, you know what? It's Robert Williams, Mar- Torres Meniscus. You know what I mean? Smart Mar- said. Smart, smart said we needed a box out. And he said Holiday made a great play. Yeah. At and the end too. The, he said he made a great play. No excuses. At yep. All. He made a great play. And, and I thought Smart was the guy, kind of a guy who sometimes, like I said, he he was honest. He said the play wasn't. That's what wasn't supposed to be the play, right? Like you you were saying, yeah. it, it was a play for Tatum. And nobody was really moving around. He wasn't throwing people under the bus. He was just, that's what was going on. Like you said, they were standing around. There wasn't a whole lot of movement. And then Smart had to go and Holiday makes a fantastic play. That's what happened. Why, why like Doc come after and like Embiid does this a lot after the games too. But I think, because I think the problem with Embiid is honestly, I think he doesn't understand when someone asks you a question, you don't have to answer it straight up like that. You don't yeah. have to be as honest as you freaking feel. Like, Maybe. you but, don't, you know, like, don't say, even what he just said about Harden, he's like, yeah, he's more of a facilitator. You know, it's like, it wasn't dishonest, but it just comes off like it does, like you were saying, it does come off like you're throwing a teammate poor. under it the comes bus. Off, it comes off so effing poor when he does yeah. that stuff. And you're right. Maybe he doesn't realize it or maybe he knows what he's doing. Um, you're and I, you're right. I don't. Maybe he is doing it on purpose, yeah. or maybe it's. Man, like, yeah, I don't we just know. Don't know. And it's one of those things, like <laughs> we just we just don't know. But like that's my thing. Like you look at the team, like like even the Suns. Like when the Suns didn't have Booker, like none of them said, "Oh, we don't have Booker." You know what I mean? There's just no excuses. Even the Bucks with Middleton, none of us like. Well, you know what? You know we don't have Middleton. That's why we lost the game. You know what I mean? There's just no excuses they just figure it out and keep competing you know even dallas is doing the same thing that's why like those teams in my eyes have it when the sixers don't have it because it just seems to me everything is just excuse driven with them and uh i'm very happy as a laker fan i don't have to worry about doc rivers as a coach this year so i can take i can breathe a sigh of relief on that one uh let's go get some better options for the lakers and uh, eric and i are going to talk about these series with you each 
day that there's an NBA game will be on Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets previewing the games Monday through Friday, 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday, Sunday. If there's a game, we'll be there at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. And Eric will be checking in with me over the uh, the next few weeks, and we'll uh, we'll check in again once a week and uh, and catch up on everything going on in all the series and see who's moving forward and, uh, and what to look for. Eric, buddy, uh, what do you got rolling on your shows and uh, on your stuff this weekend? Um, my podcast, which is going to come out later today, Friday, XFL Jim and uh, talking USFL. My boy Brandon, we're going to talk NASCAR. Um, and then over on Saturday, um, Leo, Kyle, and myself at the BTV UFC show. And then Sunday, you and I, and I think Kyle are going to be on the NBA show. And then me, Brandon, and Biho are debuting the new NASCAR show for uh Okay. For I like looking that. For, looking forward to that. We're gonna dabble some fantasy stuff in that. So that should be that should be a good one. And the cool thing about Brandon is like he's like a professional eye racer. So what like Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, those guys, what those guys do on like Monday before they get to the track is they race in the eye race to kind of like feel how the track is just because the track's going to, as crazy as it sounds with how technology is, the track's going to basically play the same. They're going to get used to the turns and the timing mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. So he races against like, those guys during the week and he's got oh, a, great, cool. a great thing of like knowing like how the track is and everything like that. It was kind of funny. Like he uh, told a story a couple weeks ago, how, um, Kyle Larson, he was racing against him, and he wouldn't let Larson pass, and Larson actually spun him out. So, you know, it was kind of, kind of a little bit funny. So, like, he's got some good stuff to tell, and he's very, very knowledgeable. He's gonna, I think he's gonna, and he's gonna be doing a uh, Boston themed sports show with, uh, with Leo, which is nice, right? So it looks cool. like, looks like we're adding another one to the family. So, looking forward to, uh, to that, and uh, we'll be hearing more about that. On these shows, make sure to give BTV Bets a follow so you can check out all of that content. Thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate it. I know you got a busy schedule, uh, like always. So we'll uh, we'll talk again uh, coming up this weekend. All right, sounds good, man. Make sure to give Eric a follow all over the place and uh, check out all the content that he's got. Busy, busy man right now. Busy, busy episode. That's what G said. Let's continue rolling along. Don't go anywhere. racing fans many of us have been using the drf the daily racing form for years studying the races keeping up to date on news with all the articles i remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever i was going now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use drf with drf.com and the newly optimized drf mobile you can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. 
one click to bet now and DRF bets, get real time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances you get an interactive format which is Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Get those entries in and play race win like on Saturday over at Gulfstream Park with the double up. Uh, There's also a top 10. You can play at Pimlico, Lone Star, Santa Anita, Hawthorne, or the free ride at Monmouth. On Sunday, you've got Gulfstream, Pimlico, Hawthorne, and Santa Anita, all with options for your Stable Duel games. Get those entries in and play race win. We are going to head on over and start talking some racing for Sunday and for Monday. Let's first talk some Sunday Santa Anita. So I'll go to race number three. I don't really love any big bombs on Sunday at Santa Anita, but I think we may be able to beat some favorites. Like in the third race with the three, Banjo Queen, who had legitimate trouble last time out and now gets off the inside and will try the dirt, will stretch out, second start off the uh, off the break. The number three, Banjo Queen, will be an alternate to the heavy favorite for me in race number three at Santa Anita on Sunday. Moving to the fourth race, six furlongs on the turf course. I thought the five harbored memories, another instance where you're not talking about a big bomb, but this is a horse who comes out of some really nice races here. And now we will go third start off of the long, long layoff, drawn well with some speed, but can also sit off and close, has run well over this turf course. The number five harbored memories is the play for me in race number four. We move to race number five at, uh, no, number six at Santa Anita. 10,000 claimers going a mile on the main. I thought the five claim of passion with the blinkers coming off should get some pace to run at in here. Has been in uh, against 
12, 5, and 16 claimers in similar spots in the last few was actually favored on May the 6th. So you get the quick wheel back because this horse just didn't really have a shot early on. I like when you get a quick wheel back and a quick turnaround. I think claim of passion just a little too high up on the board. Anything around 7 to 2 feels fair on the number 5 claim of passion on Sunday at Santa Anita. That's race 6. The seventh race is a first level allowance going a mile on the dirt and the four impossible task should get a nice trip. There's some other speed in here that I feel is quicker than him. I think he ends up sitting nicely in maybe third and he's proven at Santa Anita. He's proven going the mile. Special ride could find this a tad far and may have some other pace to deal with like back ring luck and uh, you know maybe even a horse to the outside like Street Ruckus. Let's see if Impossible Task can sit right behind them, the number four in race number seven. So that is uh, Santa Anita for me on Sunday. Let's head o- over to Louisiana Downs and talk a, a little Sunday L.A.D. May the 15th, Louisiana Downs. Let's start with race number one. Going a mile on the turf course, Louisiana bred 12-5 non-threes. The one, Charlie Michael, she looks like the one to catch. I don't know if she's really going to want the grass. Her dam was unraced, the first full. So not a ton of turf pedigree, but she's pretty quick. I think, or He's pretty quick. I think he's the one to beat. One, six, or he's the one to catch. The six, oh my, aching arch feels like the the most proven turf horse in here. So I'd have one six in all exotics, the four. Um, the last time on the grass sat a really nice trip. A little bit of upside with only four turf races and, and a couple of them with some excuses. One six four in the opener at Louisiana Downs on Sunday, May the 15th. Let's go to race number two. I'll be out there helping out with the broadcast on Sunday. Make sure to tune in before each and every race. We'll give you a little more information and then we'll do some post-race Analysis. Second race, 5,000 non winners of two, traveling a mile and 70 yards. Louisiana breads here. The four, this guy can fly. Showed some improvement for the new barn in the last couple starts. He's now back in with Louisiana breads. Chased lone speed last time out. The horse named Hot Stove League was dropping in from $15,000 beaten claimers at fairgrounds. This is a $5,000 Louisiana bred non two. Lots of class relief. The six, Joe Boy is one to use in exotics. The two, Pleasant Vision, is the horse they'll all have to beat on the drop. If he's right and he's feeling good, this is a lot softer spot than what he's been facing, so he's probably going to be pretty tough in here. 4-2-6 in the second. Race number three, back to the turf course. Non-winners of three, optional 17 mile on the turf. Hard attack gets a great setup in here because Beachcombing will probably want to get a nice position from the inside and then you've got a couple others with speed like Aw Shackle and Bistraya. so I'm using the two hard attack as a major major off the pace threat he's not going to be one that's going to get you rich in here but I think he's the very deserving favorite his last four starts have been really good two four six one in race three at LAD as we move along to race number four $7,500 claimers, non-winners of three lifetime, seven furlongs the distance. I went towards the outside with the number seven here. That's a little hot toddy who broke his maiden going, her maiden going seven furlongs at Louisiana Downs. And she perked up in her last start at Delta, going a mile in the slop. She finished second that day, and now she cuts back, and she's back to her favorite track where both of her career wins have been, right here at LAD. The number three, Botox, was a runner-up a few starts back, against 5,000 non-winners of three in a race that would be really competitive and, and 
stack up, uh, you know, very, very well here. Bo talks. Best races for her have been on the lead. I expect her to be forwardly placed in a race that maybe has one or two others, but she could be the quickest, I'd say. So Botox will be in most exotics for me with Guerrero jumping aboard the two-horse shop around off the claim for Fauché is just exiting some of the tougher races and anything like the September or August races at EVD would make shop around very, very tough. Race number five, made in special way. It's going seven and a half on the turf. I like the three Whitaker quite a bit. He got bumped around and was in some traffic on March the 31st at Sam Houston. He was three wide into the turn and he was sit, sitting towards the back like eight or ninth but he was just four lengths off and he had to shift around a bit. He got beat to a spot, but he really showed some nice late energy in a sneaky effort. Whitaker, the number three, will be using along with the 11, Cant to late, who was second beaten just a neck in that debut. Obvious top contender. The eight, Golden Pegasus, damn one on the turf, and he has a winning turf sib. The one Moonshiner surfer, damn, was a four time winner on the turf. Was multiple stakes placed and Jose Guerrero jumps aboard. Maybe that's a long shot you want to throw in. Unified assets, the six. That dam's only try on the turf was fourth in a grade two. They do have a couple winning turf siblings to report. Race number five at LAD on Sunday. We move to the sixth. It's a Louisiana bred allowance, non winners of three, five and a half furlongs. The distance, the three foolish dreams would be a pick four single for me on the slight cutback. This guy's lightly raced with some upside. Ran into a horse named Double Barrel Man who has been in the middle of a, a three-race uh, win streak. Foolish Dream's going to be really, really tough in here. I use the five Diablo Cat underneath. Maybe the quickest and proven at Louisiana Downs, so could at least hang around for a slice. The six no quarter comes off of a couple of pretty good efforts and towards the outside will be forwardly placed. Has a little bit of you know sit positional speed. Three, five, six in the sixth at Louisiana. We move to the seventh and final on Sunday. The number four, Boston Millie, second off the short little break. Her, she's got a little bit more speed than it might have seen on paper, or it might seem on paper. She can actually have a nice beginning, and I think that with the race under her belt in a in a field like this, she took she could end up be sitting in a good spot when some others just stop. Boston Millie, along with the one Eagle over the moon, the 11 Veil Male, the 7, Isn't It Time all seem like they would make sense. The 2 Cute Dinero Queen faced Open Company last time out, so 4-1-11-7-2 in race number 7 to close it out at LAD. That is Sunday, Louisiana Downs, but let's talk a little Monday, Louisiana Downs for you. We start on Monday with the 12-5 Beaten claimer on the turf course, seven and a half furlongs, the distance. I went one seven five in here. More ice is coming off a layoff, but his turf form overall is so good, and he won off the bench last year off of a six month layoff. So it's a little longer than that, but he's proven he should save all the ground and he will come running. One seven five for me. Gold Bear is really, really sharp and picking roses. If you can just eliminate that last race, and um, you can go back and find a string of Five or six really good efforts in a row. One seven five in race number one on Monday. So we're looking at May the sixteenth now at Louisiana Downs. Race two, five thousand beaten claimers. The three Morak. She beat open five claimers on February the nineteenth. 
and then went to fairgrounds and faced a group that was just a little too tough. She was almost twenty to one that day. Much better spot for Morak here. The number five Mongolian humor to the outside on the big drop, and then you've got custom for Carlita. I was expecting more speed from her last time out. She's already got a race under her belt at the track at the current meet. Three five four in the second. In race number three at LAD on Monday, we've got Louisiana bred fillies and mares, 5,000 non-winners of two, six furlongs the distance. The two custom Medina was third, was three deep, and was within just a, a length and lost to a six-length winner. Just missed the photo for second that day. Cage Bear came back to win against 7,500 non-three next out. You'll now go third, start off the long layoff, lightly raced with some upside. The number two custom Medina is the play for me. Number five, conservative values comes up a run, off a runner-up effort. Two back had legit trouble at the start, so some good work for this barn. The three Cheyenne glitters is an obvious player and at least an underneath spot. Two five three in the third. Pick four starts in race number four. Five furlongs on the turf, first level allowance. Summer just bet her could get a nice trip from off the pace. I think he could work out a trip where she is going to have to. Uh, you know, she's going to work out a trip where she can pass some horses. It looks like there's, as you would imagine, a couple in here with sprint speed going five. So she's in the mix for me. She's a horse that I don't think you could single because I she's going to need some luck. But could see her really working out a nice trip with Lozada. The number six pink posse feels like the horse to beat. The seven airborne gal has a couple of winning turf sibs. Five, six, seven in the fourth on Monday. Maiden $5,000 Louisiana bred claimers, fillies and mares, three years old and up in the fifth race on Monday, seven furlongs the distance. The number five, TJ's first, comes in from Oaklawn, faced Maiden 10 claimers, open Maiden 10 claimers, showed some positional speed, and now cuts back to seven furlongs. If this horse is anywhere close early, he should be fit, she should be fit, and pretty tough to pass late. The six, I'm accustomed to it. On the drop in class has a couple better races to go back to in January and February at fairgrounds that would that would win this no doubt and then to the outside the number ten Cajun Aces her debut race was really really good but she's thrown in clunkers in her last two can she get back to that debut race at, at Delta when she was third only beaten the length blinkers come off she was actually put up to second via DQ that day it's race number five. Sixth race, a non-two allowance, seven furlongs on the dirt. The number six is the play for me in here. That's Ottoman Empire, who just comes out of a much tougher race. That was first off the claim for Asmussen. They claimed for 30. They tried 50 non-twos at church or at Oaklawn. Stepped slow that day. It was only 7-1 to one and just never had a shot. The runner-up effort against 30 beaten claimers at fairgrounds just two starts back would probably beat this group. Well-spotted Ottoman Empire. The one... Gunner Paul off that second place finish last time out. Just anything close to that would fit. Mist of Time did not run well on March the 6th, but if you can excuse that race and go back to January and December, this is a horse who was favored in a first level allowance race at Delta and had a bad start. The slow starts have hurt him a little bit. We'll put him in the third spot. 6 1 2. Closing things out 12 5. Beaten claimers, seven and a half furlongs on the turf course. The one sharpened up is going to be really tough in here at a really short price. This is a 12-time winner on the turf and just does not catch a group of monsters. Should be able to save some ground and come rolling late. 
The seven and six would be others if you wanted to go a little deeper. Gobbler returns to the turf, and his turf form last we saw was not bad. And if you just compare some of the numbers and figures, it's actually right there. Gobbler, reluctant warrior would be underneath also for me with the six banjo bill. One, seven, six, eight. That's race number seven at Louisiana Downs on Monday. Hopefully everyone uh, makes some money out at LAD on Sunday and on Monday, as that'll do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. So we might have episodes a little different now with uh, you know, some Louisiana Downs in the mix, and their schedule is Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So you'll hear a little bit more of that. We'll probably have an extra episode uh, every now and then pop up throughout the weekend. And next week, we'll talk a lot of Preakness. We'll continue on with NBA. We'll always have our uh, This Week in Wrestling segments. And we will uh, finish up with Moon Knight, the final two episodes of that show, uh, that series. Uh, Tim Kelly and, uh, and I will talk about and Doctor Strange deep dive recap. Coming soon. Have a nice rest of your weekend, folks. Good luck. <laughs>